Welcome to the first episode of the Middle Eight Madness podcast, where we take a subject, a music-related topic, and pit two people on opposite ends of the debate and have them duke it out to determine who is right and who is wrong. And with me today, I have moderator Andy. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Yeah. I hope you two have a well-spirited debate this evening. And my opponent today is none other than Matt from Shuffle Quest. Some of you might know. Matt, tell him Hello, who you are. I am Matt from Shuffle Quest. And uh, we're going to eventually get into what we think is Lana Del Rey's best album or her, yeah, her, her, her best album. And Matt's taking the stance of... Uh, I am doing Norman fucking Rockwell or NFR if, you know, I don't want to disappoint my parents in case they hear this. <laughs> and I'm definitely going to take the side of Born to Die, which uh, I think might be a, a bit of a controversial opinion to to most people. But yeah, before we get into that, I want to talk about um, kind of the albums that are still coming out later this year. Obviously, the reason why we're kind of addressing Lana Del Rey's album or or pitting Lana Del Rey's uh, discography against each other is because she does have an album apparently coming out uh, this week, which should be like by the time this podcast is released this week, September 5th, uh, Chemtrails Over the Country Club. Is that album coming out? Uh, I, as far as I know, unless she's announced a delay, but I don't think she has. Well, hopefully we see it. And do you think it's going to be any better than NFR? Um, have you On se- par? I, th- I haven't seen who is working on it with her, but if uh, the guy that, that I'm going to get into it later, but the guy that helped produce and write yeah jack antonoff right yes uh if he's involved then i would expect it to be as good or better i mean i'm kind of looking forward to it i'll see what i like i've been hearing that she's going to go into more of a a country sort of vibe with this next album but we'll definitely see what she decides to do with that that'll be interesting What, what else what else is on the docket for this year what are you what are you excited for still well i mean there was obviously i'm hoping but not expecting donda to come out um kanye's next album uh, it, could all, it could all just be hype, but <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I think Andy was mentioning that and <laughs> mm-hmm. his thoughts on that yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it comes out great, but it's not coming out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've given up hope on Kanye times. I think you mentioned it would be a great idea if he actually came out with it. What was it, like the week or two before uh, elections? Well, that's what I was saying is like, if he does come out with it, it will be like a week before the election. We also have uh, Joji. I don't know if you guys are fans of Joji, but Joji's got an album coming out later September. Oh. I've heard a couple of the singles that I thought were really good. Yeah, I thought they were pretty good. I'm like, I'm pretty excited for what he does in another direction. Uh, Sufjan Stevens. Yeah, that'll be that'll be good. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I think Sufjan Stevens. Uh, he's kind of got a bit of that Age of Ads sound coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just nice to hear more from Sufjan. Yeah, mm. uh, I don't know if you guys listen to Everything Everything, but. Uh, I think it's probably going to be one of their more disappointing releases. I think so too. Uh, yeah, you got yeah, me. Into, I haven't been liking uh, the singles at all. You got me into "Get to Heaven" actually, um, and I love that good. album. But yeah, that album's bop after bop, man. Yeah, it's so good. But yeah, the singles for this new one, I haven't been, I haven't been too impressed by. But all right, should we get into this? Well, should we duke this out. Do you think I was going to mention as far as more albums coming it. out? Do you, Do you think that? Uh, because I know that Frank was releasing singles, um, and then uh, Kendrick. I don't know if you saw, but he did. He was doing some weird thing earlier in the year where he kind of had like a sort of company put up a website with this weird video on it, um, mm. as if it was some sort of like premonition for new music coming. But huh. I don't know. 
I like I hadn't I hadn't seen really much from Kendrick this year. Uh, Frank for sure. I saw him kind of releasing a couple singles there, but I don't I don't know if he's especially with his brother passing away and mm-hmm. everything. Like I just don't think that's gonna happen, or at least it's there's probably a bit of a delay happening with that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that. But, uh, I mean, a lot of people are delaying their albums. I think just because yeah. they're gonna lose a lot of money if they can't tour with it right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wouldn't expect Drake is apparently them. in in talks for uh, another album coming out as well. Oh boy! Oh, is Apple going to pay him again? <laughs> Who knows? And then there's even there's even word that Kid Cudi might put out something this year. Oh, but yeah. I thought he was waiting for uh, next year because he has a uh, a Netflix anime yeah. or animated film like that's launching alongside his album next year. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I think that uh, the this year the album is going to be coming out next year. I think, but I think he said that he's going to be putting on a mixtape this year. Mm. which could just mm. be like, I would have loved to see more of like the Scots I would yeah. like to see oh, that's like him thing. do more of that yeah I've heard that because um, yeah they they're gonna do a joint album. I, I was thinking they were gonna do like an EP with that or, or maybe yeah. an EP yeah I, I heard that that was gonna mm. be going on but we'll see I mean like I said I think that you know a lot of those bigger artists are kind of trying to hold out a little longer to where they can tour um and mm-hmm. make make a little bit more money on their on their releases yeah because there's nothing happening in in 2020 essentially mm-hmm. yeah, but no. good news on that is like festivals next year are probably going to be insane the oh, lineups yeah. are going to be nuts oh yeah, yeah everyone's going to be itching to get out yeah. oh yeah it's going to be insane so, yeah because you're going to have all the album releases essentially from this year and then all the album releases that everybody delayed until next year so yeah, yeah it's going to be a pretty good uh festival season i'm excited looking forward to it maybe yeah. lana del rey will be there <laughs> she was supposed to be a bonner this year so that was why I listened yeah. to all of her albums all the way through well, for the first time. She this just year. she just released NFR and then she's got this new one coming out. So I I couldn't see her not doing a festival season next year. Mm-hmm. I think it would be in her best interest to do a festival season. Yeah, I Circuit. agree. All right. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's fight. Yeah, let's get let's get into this. All right, who's going first? We haven't determined this. I figured you go first. You I know? have a coin. I have a coin oh, ready. Okay. Okay, okay. We're, we're doing this the, the professional way. Okay. okay. The, the way the way men do, and by that I just mean world governments. So, Frankie, yes, I will let you uh, call out if that's all right. All right, heads. Yeah, tails never fails. It's on sales. So all right. Matt. Oh no! All right, go. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, as I mentioned before, uh, NFR is my pick for Lana Del Rey's best album. I think she's had a lot of really great tracks over the years, but I think that like she really hit her stride with this album in particular. Um, and the reason why, one of the reasons why I think that this is her best is because the context of where it is in her discography, because she was five mm-hmm. albums in at the point of uh, this release. And in my opinion, the two albums before NFR were pretty much her lowest points. Um, I think that her sound had kind of De- gone a little debatable, stale. Debatable, yeah. And yeah. especially on Lust for Life, it uh, it didn't really feel like she had an authentic artistic direction. It was almost like she was trying to produce hits, but the hits weren't hitting for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were missing. They were missing. She was producing miss, misses. Um, but, uh, you know, NFR doesn't have that radio hit appeal and uh, mm. it doesn't come close to hitting the numbers that she does with her other albums. But I don't measure an album's quality by how much it's streamed. And I think that, you know, this album is where she kind of found her voice. 
because it feels of all of her projects to me to be her most authentic. Uh, like she wasn't trying to people please or play it safe. She just kind of did, you know, what she does. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that her writing did a total 180 and it just felt to, like the most mature and well thought out through to, uh, from start to finish, you know. Uh, the melodies yeah. on it mm-hmm. are as good or better than anything you'll find in the rest of her discography. And uh, one of my personal favorite tracks is Cinnamon Girl. I think that even though the subject matter of the song isn't anything groundbreaking for her, the way it's executed, I think, is. Because the melodies and the production on it are just so good. And I think that Jack Antonoff, who I mentioned earlier, deserves a lot mm-hmm. of uh, credit a fair amount at least um i think yeah i think the majority of credit should probably go to him yeah he because... produced for uh i think even taylor before this and a couple mm-hmm. others but mm-hmm. yeah, and like around. if you don't know who that is he's the lead singer of bleachers and uh he's been he was uh, in fun once upon a time right yeah and uh mm-hmm. he has writing and producer credits on just about every track on nfr um mm. but i don't know maybe they should consider having a more permanent working relationship and we can get more more stuff like that but um i think so too he's he's a phenomenal producer his bleacher stuff is uh like very 80s inspired i right. think that's what i like from him the most mm-hmm. yeah and uh not that any, this has anything to do with the album quality but i think the album cover is easily the coolest in her discography oh hell no <laughs> <laughs> i know I, I saw your line del ready video you go all about the cover and everything <laughs> but you, you saw what yeah uh, in your lana del rey video you did last year Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you kind of talked yeah, about I have, that. Yeah, I have some things to nitpick about that cover, but yeah. go on. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I mean, it's a picture of her and uh, Duke Nicholson, which is Jack Nicholson's grandson on a sailboat. and uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know, it just like it has a really cool and intriguing vibe to it, which I think if you're, I think the main goal of an album cover really is to produce intrigue. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, even down to the stylization. Great. Of this of the album title, like it's got that comic book look for the uh, the album title and and her initials on there. So like, mm-hmm. if I was walking into a record store and I saw that album cover and I didn't know anything about Lana Del Rey, I'd look at that and be like, "Whoa, what's this?" And I'd, I'd, I'd be, you know, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you're a goddamn liar. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, I don't think I'm alone in naming NFR as her best album uh, because, mm. as you guys probably know, the, the critical reception was outrageous. Uh, Jen Pelly from Pitchfork claimed that it uh, established <laughs> Lana as one of the greatest living songwriters. And I don't know if I okay, necessarily okay. But, agree but with that. When you start <laughs> when you start bringing in publications, I mean, like sometimes this is just PR. Like these are yeah, people yeah. who are just trying to help them sell records yeah. and you know put good things out there for them. Hey, like I mean, you know, I, also it's pitchfork. It's up take, I take those with a bit more of a grain of salt than than your opinion. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily agree with it, but uh, and I don't think that NFR is a perfect album, you know. But mm-hmm. I do think that she showed a level of artistry that she hadn't displayed prior to it and she mm. approved that uh that she's more than just for moody high school girls and that's uh yeah. that's my take you still have three minutes remaining on the clock do you i mean can... no no you can, you, no, no, no. can sacrifice his time if you like, yield my time just yes. letting him know of course all right so frankie 
tear me apart. A little bit of a counter here to bring into this. Uh, I've got a few points just that you kind of mentioned that I I maybe don't agree with. Um, I think I think she's had a pretty consistent career so far. Um, I don't think I wouldn't say Lust for Life and uh, Honeymoon weren't all bad. I'd say Lust for Life was probably her worst, but Honeymoon wasn't terrible. I'd say it was pretty on par with uh, like ultraviolence. Um, also, yeah, I think streaming numbers are a really big thing uh, when it comes to people's enjoyment of records. And the fact that like this album didn't stream as well as maybe like her previous albums does say a little bit something. Maybe people are a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of tired of just hearing the same Lana Del Rey. And I do think she did kind of play NFR pretty safe. Like, I don't think it's I don't think it's a giant leap in sound from uh, past albums. Uh, it's it's I, I think she played most of it pretty safe i will say like jack antonoff uh his production is probably like the standout on the album um and yeah the cover i i i think the cover is probably her worst looking at like all the other ones i'd probably say um even like her lizzie grant album's probably better no put me in my um, place frank (laughs) (laughs) and afar i think i think the cover's nice but i don't think it's um I don't know if it fits the tone necessarily. You know what I mean? Like this, I, I it, maybe if the whole album was full of uh, doing time, like uh, maybe. But other than that, like I just don't fit. I don't think it fits the tone as well as uh, her previous covers did. Are you saying that you don't think that uh, you can picture yourself listening to this on a sailboat with Duke Nicholson? I I mean maybe maybe <laughs> just maybe just doing time and that's another one that's kind of a little more uplifting. Maybe Venice, bitch, but yeah. Other than that, no. <laughs> but that's it for my rebuttal. Okay. okay. If you'd like to hear my argument, I'll hear your argument. I'll hear you out. All right. So obviously, I'm siding with uh, "Born to Die" in saying uh, that it's Lana Del Rey's best album. It's also her official debut, um, and I think it's I think it's her best, and I think it's her most defining album. Like I'll even go as far as to call it a modern classic at this point. It's aged incredibly well, and I think the record has entirely transcended all of the hype and the controversy that initially came with it. Um, I think this this album is the reason why Lana Del Rey is even the international phenomenon that she is today. If if it wasn't for this album, I, I mean, NFR obviously wouldn't exist. Um, it was also, I think, incredibly underrated when it first came out. There was a lot of uh, speculation about her authenticity, the things she was saying in her music. Um, there was the iffy SNL performance and audiences and critics were just, they, they always love tearing apart female pop stars. And it, it happened with uh, Madonna in the past. It happened with Lord, Lana, Billy more recently. Um, but I don't know. It seems like things are getting a lot better for female pop artists, but I think it was a big contributing factor to, um, how, how Lana was initially received and why the album was, I guess, a little bit panned at the time. But anyways, back to the album. Uh, as soon as you started the title track of Born to Die, I think it was clear that people knew that this album was going to be different. Like, I think it pioneered that hip-hop Baroque influence in alt-pop that was, like, replicated by Lord afterwards, and then, like, even Billy, I could see having that influence. Who else did we mention that had, uh, that was influenced by her? Kevin Abstract says that he's influenced by Lana Del Rey, and I'm pretty sure he means from uh, that Born to Die era. And when everybody else was going... Uh, right, Lana Del Rey essentially went left. Like, late 2000s pop was all maximalist and overstuffed, and then you had Lana on the internet, of all places, stripping back a lot of her sound, bringing that chamber pop sort of to the masses. 
Um, and when she came to the scene with Born to Die, like it was a fully developed style uh, and probably one of the most atmospheric pop records of, uh, of that last decade. And um, yeah, like I said, when it came out, it was received with mediocre reviews. But now at the end of the decade, I- I'd, I'd be surprised if people didn't have it among one of their most critically acclaimed albums of, of, 20, of the 2010s, at least at this point. Hmm. Um, hold on, just combing through this album's track list. The amount of single power on this thing, by the way, in comparison to NFR, which I think NF- NFR had what? Hope is a Dangerous Thing, uh, Doing Time, and Venice Bitch, I think, were like the only singles. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, this album had Born to Die, it had Summertime Sadness, it had Video Games, it had uh, Blue Jeans, and not just that, but all the songs, I think, at least the songs on Born to Die, I think are a lot more versatile than NFR songs were. You had like uh, Baroque ballads uh, like Born to Die, you had trip, uh, trip hop bangers uh, like Dark Paradise, she's even rapping on uh, Off to the Races a little bit there. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's a, a skippable song on this album there's no skips on this album at all except for maybe uh what is it carmen maybe that song Mm. but (laughs) unlike ldr and her follow-ups like i think this was her most consistent effort like if you look and and even ldr ldr is just a way way too long of an album it's oh it's an hour and seven minutes long whereas this was what just under 50 minutes or something like that but yeah i just think it was a tighter more consistent record um also I think because of this album, uh, it ignited a whole other conversation about authenticity within music and artists in general. Like Lana, Lana was polarizing because she was unrealistic um, and she was also very consumed with men and unhealthy relationships. And I think a lot of people had a problem with that. Um, And there was also a lot of irony in her lyrics. But if anything, that made the album so much more melancholic and people um, kind of respected the bitchiness of what she was bringing in that album. Uh, and I think it was a sort of whining that people actually appreciated. Uh, and again, cause it was just different. I'm sorry. Are we trying to say something? Nope. Nope. I'm listening. <laughs> okay. Feel free to interject at any time. Man. Oh, I got plenty um, to say after you, you've said your, okay. Piece. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like even that entire persona was all for the sake of art and creating that, that sixties sort of female persona and whether or not it was actually about Lana those themes were attached to some pretty great production. Like it made the music more interesting because it was dramatized and she aimed to be uh, more cinematic and you can only write so many true love songs. And I think she really took it a step further and sort of exemplified her creative songwriting. And I, I think that's still something that's like considered her strong suit. Like right from the very beginning, she was, she was always been this really great songwriter. Um, and yeah, let's talk about uh, the, the born to die cover. Cause I think it's I think it's her, if anything, her boldest cover and one of the boldest covers from the last decade. You just have this beautiful redhead against a blue sky, smack dab in the middle, large poster font with just her name at the top, and then it's just juxtaposed with the phrase "Born to Die." Like it was, it was kind of dark and and bold, and I think it really set that tone for what the album was. Unlike LDR, which was a little more uh, cartoony, when the album was a lot more somber and sort of melancholic as well um but i think yeah with one album like lana del rey lit pop music on fire and it was born to die i think born to die changed pop music forever regardless of anyone's opinion on the album or on lana in general i think it it sort of redefined 
that mood and aesthetic of pop after 2012. Mm. And I'll I'll leave it at that for now. Okay. Sounds okay. good. <laughs> so your uh, counter argument here. All right. Um, you know, like you said, it, Born to Die has a really cinematic sound. They use a, there's a lot of orchestral instruments in it, and uh, that's mm-hmm. something you hear a lot in chamber pop. But you know, this album I think in particular takes it to a level that it almost makes it sound like parts of it could be used in a film score. Um. It had several hits, like you said, you know, lots of single power and everything. Uh, video games and summertime sadness were probably the biggest, right? Uh, yeah, no skippable songs on that album, man. Like uh, every song on, on that album, I think, is a, a hit at this point. Yeah, I I agree that it definitely is what propelled Lana Del Rey into the mainstream, and I think that after that album, um, basically everyone of all walks of life became aware of her at the very least. Um, and that I think that mainstream success probably opened up uh, a lot of people to other better chamber pop artists. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I do think it did help pave the way for artists um, like Father John Misty, actually, Angel Olsen and Mitski, mm-hmm. those kind of people. Because, um, like, even though chamber pop's been around for a long time, I think that a lot of this generation would probably see Lana as a pioneer for the genre just because she's the one that introduced them to it um and so yeah, sure. you know obviously her having that success just kind of uh opened a lot of people up to that sound so she, i do mm-hmm. think she did a lot for the genre throughout the, the 2010s um but so i'll explain why i wouldn't consider it a great album and i also you know obviously don't think it's her best so mm-hmm. as i mentioned before or as you mentioned before, uh, it's her official debut album. And I think that uh, she was still in the process of finding her sound and her voice. And I think that even though there are some great melodies on it, the writing throughout a lot of it, I think is a little immature and pretty corny. So... I mean, I think she had she had that Lizzie Grant uh, album or... Yeah, it was like a full-on album at the time. Right. And I think that was her still kind of finding her sound whereas i think born to die she sort of nailed it and yeah like we we were talking about before too i think that she kind of flatlined after that like nfr is her sound much more mature but not necessarily progressed in like a massive way i think that uh you know she she kicked it off she kind of like started herself down a path with born to die but then i think that she perfected it with nfr Mm. Um, but as far as the corny and immature lyrics, Exhibit A. <laughs> you have the receipts. <laughs> From the chorus of Blue Jeans, I will love you till the end of time. I would, ma- I would wait a million years. Promise you'll remember that you're mine. Baby, can you see through the tears? Love you more than those bitches before. Say you'll remember, oh baby. Say you'll remember. Oh baby, that's oh, beautiful. That's I love poetic. Till the end of time, you're telling me that you wouldn't f- open that's up a thirteen-year-old girl's diary and be like, "What? Oh, okay, uh, closing that one up." <laughs> no, if I read that in a thirteen-year-old, if I read that in a thirteen-year-old's diary, I'd want to get her a book deal. <laughs> I'd want to get her signed and get her started uh, on some poetry deal. I don't know, man. That's it's, beautiful. It's a little corny to me, but um, I'm not going to say that every yeah. line on the album is as corny as that one. But I do think there is a lot of corn 
And uh, I mean, I'm sure you could go to to NFR yeah. and and pick the corn as well, man. Yeah, I could, I could, I could. But you know, I think that where Born to Die is mostly corn in a little, uh, you know, better writing. I think that NFR is mostly better writing in a little corn. Uh, so they kind of flip in that way for me. But um, I think that you know, I think it was just early in her career, and that's just where she was at as a writer at the time. So, I mean, it's, mm. you see that in a lot of people, they just get better. If she didn't get better from Born to Die, I would be a little concerned. Um, yeah. But what doesn't help the cornfield is uh, the <laughs> instrumentation. So I mentioned how it's very orchestral and sounds almost like it could be used in a film score. And I have no problem with using a lot of this orchestral. This is Born to Die, right? Yes, yes. Of course, okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, like, I have no problem with using a lot of orchestral instruments, but the way that it's done on Born to, Born to Die, I think, is just, it just adds, like, it's a little bit too uh, overdramatic for my taste. Mm. Um, okay. And then the final big issue that I have with it is actually Lana's delivery, and she's kind of known for that lazy, deep, slow, low-key delivery, and I think that... Mm-hmm. It definitely has its place and it works in certain areas. But if I'm listening to this album all the way through, it gets to be a bit of a slog. <laughs> she just like like uh, she sounds. I don't know, dude. She just sounds kind of bored in some areas, and it makes me feel bored. Mm. Mm. So Fair enough. That's Fair how points. I feel about right. Born to Die. Andy, give us yes. your opinion. Let us know how you feel. So, who do you think took this? I, I'm gonna. I'll lead this off with. I just have some notes on both of yours and then I'll, okay. I'll get into my just quick choice. So this is just real fast, Matt with NFR. I, I definitely agree. Cinnamon girl was the best song on the album Hey, by far. <laughs> like my, it's my personal favorite. So good. And I do agree with that. It's, it's more of a cohesive sound that does not wear out. I've def, I definitely personally find that born to die. If you sit through it a couple times and it's been in rotation for a while, you start to get tired of it. But Frankie with okay. Born to Die, I, I, the single power is unmatched. The entire album, beginning to end, is this almost hazy dream mm-hmm. running through. <laughs> and a point that Frankie had even said where it felt like a film score, and I don't know if that was negative or positive, but I almost view that as a positive. Mm. Because the album is taking you through these scenes. Now I no, think, I think yeah, oh, Matt was saying it was cinematic, and I think I was saying, well, yeah, he was saying it was like a movie score, and I think I just said it was like cinematic. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. So I overall, I think both of you brought great points to the table, but I'm gonna give the overall debate level win to Frankie, and for my Ouch. album on YouTube convincing me, it's Born to Die. Mm. And the only reason I'm giving the debate win overall to Frankie was the bringing evidence to the table. Okay. What about my exhibit A? That's my point. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, oh. you were telling, you were reading oh. these lyrics. And oh my god, were- I I flipped that. Oh, the, those so were- I won. Those let me were- <laughs> let me let me let me run back like thirty seconds. Oh god, what happened? <laughs> no, I flipped you too. Oh, okay, go. Ahead. I meant to say Matt. Was the one who won the debate? Hold on. Oh, what? Oh, what a turn of events, <laughs> dude! What a plot twist! It's what, I, it's what I get. I'm keeping for, all for... of this in. No, wait, I, but how? Please. how? No, you're, no, you're fully... it's because of the evidence. That's <laughs> okay. how I meant it. Wait, because of what? The lyrics? No, be, yeah, bringing in the lyrics, bringing quotes, talking about you know, bringing. Also, I'm ready to counterpoint you with quotes from your album. 
<laughs> he he heard those lyrics. He heard the way I read them, and he was like, "Ooh, yikes! He's right. That's not." That's no, that not was right. kind of the problem because I was like, I kept trying to hear the song in my head, but then you were just reading them like it was a sappy teenage diary, and I'm like, "Which? Oh, no. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's my well, point." It's a good thing that it's not up to Andy. So if yes, you listen thank, to this <laughs> and you'd like to decide who the winner of this debate was, uh, you can do that at more middle eight on Twitter. We'll be running a poll uh, all week or also on uh, my YouTube community page, obviously youtube.com slash middle eight. And uh, you'll, you'll find it there somewhere. I just wanted to mention um, that. Have you guys heard all mirrors by angel Olson? Yes. Uh. So that album came out last year, and I think that if you're looking for that cinematic chamber pop sound done immaculately to like the mm-hmm. highest degree it could be done, I'd say that album is it. Okay, I'd agree with you. It's I don't think so it's Angel good. Olsen's like best album though. Oh, no. <laughs> we start a whole other woman? debate right here. Is it, is it woman? Well, it is looks like one? I got something to go listen to after this. Yeah, I think Angel Olsen's, uh, I honestly couldn't get into All Mirrors that much, but I loved I loved uh, her previous album, My Woman. I oh. thought that was pretty good. I'm going to yeah. disagree with you. Okay, dude, we're going to have to do a whole other debate on Angel Olsen. Yeah, now. this is going to be a whole other debate on uh, <laughs> exactly. Angel Olsen afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All Mirrors to me is just like, I mean, obviously like those two albums are completely different because um, like, mm-hmm. uh, Woman is not as um, cinematic. It doesn't use as much of that orchestral sound but um so i mean if we're talking about comparing that like obviously they're they don't really compare but i mean if you like that album more you like that album more but i'm uh I'm we kind of mentioned there too um like even in terms of trajectory where do you think lana goes after nfr because mm. like even this album uh chemtrails over the country club i'm hearing is a bit of a country twist on lana del rey yeah, I think that honestly, it'd be really cool if she uh, got a little bit psychedelic. Yeah, go the Gaga uh, route. You kind of talked about a little bit like the pro- the progressive chamber pop sound off of mm-hmm. Venice Bitch. Like, I think just expanding on that a little bit and and just like uh, take NFR and put it on acid, and I think it would be a pretty yeah. amazing album. <laughs> mm. I think a lot of people when Venice Bitch came out uh, were pretty surprised by that being a Lana Del Rey song and even just having like that sort of instrumental breathe in the in the middle there with mm-hmm. like sparkling synths and all that like I think that that really caught a lot of people's attention and were just like and it was like 10 minutes long so people were like holy crap like Lana Del Rey is actually doing something different here and then we kind of got more of the same but <laughs> yeah I think I think her doing uh more of that uh sort of progressive chamber, chamber pop is definitely uh like her her next route or her next yeah. step but if she's kind oh, of leaning sure. into the country a little bit, I mean, I think that you could even, like, um, I mean, even Father John Misty, if you listen to much of him, like, his, uh, his, he's kind of got a little bit of an alt-country vibe on some things, but he also yeah. incorporates uh, a lot of that psychedelic sound on, on, on different things that he's done. Uh, so, I mean, you could even apply it to that. Uh, maybe she just goes all into psychedelic alt-country. <laughs> I have, mm. I have a hard time getting into Father John Misty. I love Father John Misty. Andy, do you listen to Father John Misty? A little bit. Pure comedy so like, is what one do of my I favorite st- Do I start ever. with pure comedy or do I start with I Love You, Honey Bear? Because I've um, heard a bit mm. about... So it, it seems to me that I Love You, Honey Bear is the... Like most people like that the most. Um, mm. Personally, I like pure comedy the most. And it might just because I got into him 
uh, right whenever that released. And yeah. uh, it so like that album is like my gardening album. Like any like every spring, <laughs> my gardening mm. every every spring I uh, I plant my plants and I put that album on and it just takes me there. You man. Just teleport. <laughs> All right, good to know. Next time I'm gardening, I know what I'm throwing on. Pure comedy. That's um, the but anyway, definitely worth giving a shot. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we'll wrap this up. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the Middle Eight Mod- uh, Madness podcast. Uh, like I said earlier, if you guys want to vote, decide on who won this debate. You can do so at uh, Twitter at More Middle Eight, or you can do uh, da- do that at uh, the YouTube.com/slash Middle Eight community page. Thanks for listening. <laughs>